Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Well, after Friday's tea drinking event, the, you know, at times not even interesting anymore. Uh, Full on dismantling, throttling, uh, taking our our rightful spot as the choke holders of the temple owls, as the bird hunters. Uh, You know, it is a great freaking day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. We are number three in the nation, baby. Number three. On the heels of a 52-3 beatdown of Temple, as well as an upset of the number one team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, the Cincinnati Bearcats are, in fact, number three in the country, their highest ranking ever. Absolutely remarkable stuff. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a Cincinnati Bearcat football fan. Um I'm speechless, Hummer. I, I frankly, I feel speechless after the weekend we just had. You know, I, I just want to get into it real quick. I want to go and follow up with the uh, the Temple message boards. Got it. Got it. Got to go. Shout out there. Uh, first off, a lot of people showed up to watch the game inside of Nippert Stadium. Most of them, majority of them, honestly, less than one percent of them were from Temple. I think that hurt their odds in winning. Uh, I think the folks at home who are watching on TV, I don't think they were loud enough. I don't think their team was able to hear and feel their passion. Uh, but I saw one prediction out there that someone said this was going to be a close game. It's going to be a defensive slugfest. Well, it was a defensive slugfest on one side of the ball. Um, Cincinnati just absolutely was in Mathis's face. I think every single play, like every single play, it felt like they were, they were getting pressure on, on Mathis. Uh, I think someone thought the score was going to be close to like 23, 24, you know, like 20, you know, that, that kind of score. You guys were just wrong, flat out wrong. And it's the first time ever I got involved with the message board, message board discussion. And it wasn't really a discussion. I pulled a full on troll job. I started off like this. First off, this did not happen. Like nothing of what you said came true. That has to be painful. Uh, how long did you actually watch the game, Temple fans? Because I'm pretty sure it, it probably ended maybe 45 seconds into the second half. Like, I'm pretty sure that's when you're just like, okay, this is done. I've lost all hope. Um, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't get it. You are going I don't, I don't, extremely hard to the body of Temple Owl fans. Yeah, because it, I was I was I was offended that they were like, oh, we beat Memphis. Oh, we're going to come in here and just absolutely destroy the Bearcat. We're going to give them a fight. It's going to be a good game. No, it's not. There is not going to be a single good game for us. Like watching wise, like that's going to be like intense, entertaining, come down to the final play type of game the rest of the season for us until we get to the national championship game. Right. We are going to dismantle every single opponent in the American Athletic Conference. And we're going to do it thoroughly. It's going to be methodical and it's just going to be just gnarly. It's going to be <laughs> gross. Well, you, you got to stop making me laugh because it's going to be the tell that I just am getting over a cold here. I've got an incredibly phlegmy chest. Apologies to anybody listening, but it, it, I like what you're describing here. This limb by limb, 
Dexter-esque dismantling of the American Athletic Conference, we operate by a code. And that code is that we are going to take every single American athletic team out. And we're going to be, we're going to be brash about it. We're going to go to your message boards before the game week, the game starts, and we are going to make sure that you are properly kissing the ring, that you are going in there without any sort of expectation of winning. In fact, you are simply cheering for a cover. That is the all we will allow you this season in, the, for, in terms of being an American Athletic Conference team. You are allowed to cheer for a cover, and that's it. Please do not come, come at us with... with <laughs> how do we expect how, how or, or cheering for an actual victory there is no analysis needed it's not happening it's not happening I, i'm sorry i'm taking that stance uh if we weren't total homers before we are now baby uh, i'm sorry this team deserves it this team what we have in front of us deserves it uh you know it, it's so bad that you know the ucf fans have resorted to you know won the blame game for this season, which I get it. It's a bad season. That's what you do in a bad season, the blame game. But they've gotten into this, well, which team would be better, the 2017 team or the 21 Bearcats team? And I love someone's comment. I'm like, you know what? You guys have one team to talk about. We actually have two teams we can talk about here. Things we have the usually, 2009 Cats. Yeah, we have but, these the, cats. but here's the thing, Hummer. It's, it's never a good sign if you have to go back to your prior great team. Like if you have to start, if you have to partake in any sort of conversation by saying, well, how would your current awesome team that's competing for a college football playoff appearance, how, and, and frankly, a national championship, how would that team fare against our all-time greatest team? Guess what? We don't care. Our team is on the way to the college football playoff, or at least they're, they're heavily in consideration. They are currently ranked number three. All of us, as we've been saying all season, there is reason to be skeptical of the college football playoff selection committee. Their behaviors in the past have been very shady shysty, however you want to describe it, uh, corrupt. We have to keep our eye on them, on them. But in terms of merit, our team has, has played its way into contention for that playoff spot, which by, by default then means you are a, a true candidate to win the national championship in college football. Um, let's, let's, I want to take a step back from that big macro conversation. I do think we should chat about the Temple game a little bit. Let me, let me make one more comment before, before we move on. It'll be a quick one. You get to have this level of confidence. You get this level of legitimately having a chance to go to the college football playoff, the first G5 school to do it, when you have been a top 10 team for over a year. So this isn't a team that's just come out of nowhere or kind of been rolling up to this point you know, from the season prior. Like We're, we're here. We've been a top 10 program. This is the second year in a row. And for, for 365 plus days now, a top 10 program. So yes, we, in my mind right now, we have this right, if you would, to be a little excited, to be a little cocky, to want to be the big swing and dick in the room. All right. That's what we are. Let's stay on it. There's no reason to move. <laughs> Look, we're going to get back. We will get to the Temple game. We will talk about our observations. But you hit the nail on the head. We've been in the top 10 now for over 12 months. You see the comments floating around on Twitter. Uh, Mark May, I think, was guilty of it. And maybe, um, maybe it's a shame on me for even mentioning his name. But I, I see people saying, well, if the Bearcats were going to play Georgia, 
would they be, would they be, would the line be 27? And I just want to ask these people, where were you on January 1st, 2021? Where were you at the, at the, on the very first day of this year when the Cincinnati Bearcats, we didn't pull off the victory and I don't want to go bragging about a close loss to Georgia, but we went toe to toe with the team that is now ranked number one in the country. We went toe to toe with them. Yes, they were missing players. Guess who was also missing players? In fact, our, maybe our most important players, arguably, were missing from that game. Sauce Gardner, Wiggins, Renfro. Two of those guys are still on the team, by the way. The oh, Bearcats and then we have... Lost, and then we lost, we lost James. And granted, he, he did play for the first, uh, first half or so, James Hudson. We lost a right, but NFL it... tackle who would, like, while he was in the game, was so impactful that we were still... We were moving the ball against this stalwart right. Georgia defense. But we're not referencing a game from 2019. This isn't a game from 2018. This is a game from this calendar year where we saw the Bearcats stack up extremely well and Georgia escaped with the last second victory. And look, the, the evidence is there. And that's probably the biggest reason there is so much national hype in the Bearcats' favor right now. It's really difficult. You have to be very disingenuous at this point as a national commentator RJ on college Young. football. <clears throat> oh, oh, why did you do it? Why did you do it? He's such a clown. Why did you do it? Don't he doesn't deserve any sort of mention. That's not, that's not a legitimate voice. I don't think our Twitter account has ever retweeted him, commented on his on his rankings. The fact is, you can't be arguing in good faith against the Bearcats being a top four team at this point. Or against against them getting an opportunity in the college football playoff. I don't care what the schedule is at this point. The bar, they achieved an undefeated regular season last year. They went to their bowl game and they put up an incredible fight against Georgia. It came up short. As, as a Bearcat fan, we were really disappointed in that result. It felt like we blew the game. It felt like a a, a kind of knock against Fickle in terms of his otherwise immaculate record. This is a game that he probably wishes he wishes he could have some things back, but at the same time, they, they now went into the next season with a roster that is still loaded with multiple key key returning players who are now on the field, churning out victory after victory, after victory, after victory. And we went on the road and we beat Indiana. We went on the road and we thrashed Notre Dame at their place. And now you're seeing what's going to happen as we enter the American athletic play 52, three against temple Bearcats are not fucking around and we deserve everyone's respect. And we deserve a seat at the college football playoff table. Feed me more. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, what's the other argument that there's, Oh, well you mentioned it. They'd be a 27 point underdog to, to Georgia or, or Alabama would thrash them by four touchdowns. Uh, they would never, they would never have a chance to win a, win, win a game in the, in the college football playoff oklahoma has had four trips to the college football playoff and has never won a game florida state has never won a game washington that's has false never florida won state florida state's won a national championship in the college football playoff shout out to Jameis winston how did i miss that one <laughs> here's the thing though hummer like that oklahoma team i would say the bearcats the sneaky thing about this bearcats team is we are built to be a more legitimate contender in a college football playoff setting. We are built defense first. 
And this isn't a defense that doesn't have elite NFL caliber athletes. We heard Tariko talk about it. We heard the announcers on ESPN talk about it. Our defense is loaded with high-level NFL talent. These, there, are, there are many players on this team that are going to be vying for roster spots in the NFL. So when they match up against the best in the country, be it Alabama. They did not win the national championship in the playoff. They won it in 2014 in the last of the BCS games. Ah. Uh, uh, Sorry. I knew. Who I did they looking, beat? Who did they beat? Oregon? Uh, in that game, they beat Auburn. All right. Go through. If you've got it pulled up, then go through the history of the, of the, of the playoff. I'll eat crow. <laughs> um, the winner in the, for, of the first college football playoff was Urban Meyer's triumphant return from his heart heart attacks uh, or near heart attacks or probably honestly him grinding up on girls in Florida and his wife <laughs> secretly saying, you got to quit. We got to move. Uh, it was Ohio Columbus. State. Let's, let's give him, let's give him credit. That was Columbus. Those were, was those Columbus. were Columbus grinds. Columbus grinds. Um, so they won 2014. Uh, Alabama wins 15. Clemson wins 16. Alabama wins 17. Clemson wins 18. LSU wins 19. Alabama wins 20. Yeah, it's so few. There's so few teams that have actually won games in the but college football playoff. Oklahoma has never won a game in the college football playoff. Notre Dame has never won a game in the college football playoff. Uh, Oregon has. Georgia has. Florida State hasn't. Michigan State hasn't. And neither has Washington. And other than that, you're looking at Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. Yeah. Do I have that right? Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, Oregon, and Georgia have won games. Yeah. I mean, so there's so many just again, Hummer, we're beating a dead horse. Yeah. It's a dead horse. You have to be disingenuous at this point. You know, there's, there's teams that have been, they have, they've deserved to get in the playoff. I would say Oklahoma earned their right into multiple college football playoffs. It doesn't change the fact that they got, you know, smoked when they reached there. That doesn't mean they didn't deserve it and they didn't earn it. The Bearcats are earning their way into the college football playoff. They have an extremely high bar set for them. It's, I know many would say it's an advantage to play so many schools like Temple, like a injury ravaged Central Florida team, like South Florida. I, I wish we had stiffer competition. I wish, I wish the schools in the American Athletic Conference lived up to their expectations coming into the season. Tulane had some preseason buzz as a team that looked like it might be frisky. They opened the season at Oklahoma and nearly upset them. The wheels have fallen off, unfortunately, for several schools in the conference, and there's nothing we can do to control it. Nonetheless, these these Bearcats are going into every single game knowing they need to put up a a performance like a 52-3 win over Temple. And I think that is mentally exhausting. That's basically asking for perfection, despite the fact that in college football, you see ebbs and flows of play and mistakes and, and upsets consistently. Everyone else has bad weeks. They have near upsets. They have interceptions and missed throws. Yet the Bearcats can't really afford them this season because any, any modest margin of victory will be held against us. I mean, 100%. It would just, I'm not, out, look at Alabama. They lost. They were the measuring stick of quote-unquote perfection. Perfection lost to, at the time, was an unranked A&M team. But you would think, okay, the, they lost to an unranked opponent. First one in like 100 games. First 
unranked team since 2007 that they, they lost to an unranked opponent. And you would think, oh, man, they have to drop. They have to drop, you know, out of content. They have to be eight or nine now. Nope, five. Some, someone had, some, people, some of the voters had the audacity to just drop them down to two. You know, part of the rankings, I get the subjective nature to it. It's, it's weird because it's a quanti- it's, there's quantitative, but there's a qualitative aspect to these rankings. But in my mind, a part of these are, should be saying, okay, you, get this, you do get a starting point for, at a certain point, right? And you're moving up and you're waiting for other teams to make mistakes. Well, Alabama just made a huge mistake. They got beat on the road in a game their favorite 18.5. They only dropped five. Right, Cincinnati, the first game we lose, it could be SMU. SMU could be ranked in number 15 in the country by this point. There's a, there's a legit shot, shot of that. If we lose that game, we will go from 3 to 14, 15, 17. We will, we will fall hard the minute, that that, the minute that that happens. We won't, we won't get the benefit of the doubt and drop to 7 or 8. No, we'll go straight out into double digits. And that's a huge slip for a loss. I think that if we win games by, you know, God forbid, 7, 14, 10, that will be used against us to move us down a spot or two uh, in, in, in replacement of the up and coming big 12 team, you know, an undefeated Oklahoma state uh, or a rising Ohio state team. So there's, there's a ton of pressure on the team. It's, I can't imagine the mental strain that, that our players have right now, and they've done a great job fighting through it. It seems like our coaching staff does a great job of, of kind of creating new carrots and and here's what's going to keep us motivated and hungry. And these, like these social media releases, they seem minor. I know they're just bells and whistles, but like, there seems to be some sort of real, like it's, it's the mentality of the team. Like the most recent release was very much a listen to these national media guys doubt us, listen to them, not believe that we can go into South Bend and kick their ass, but watch us. We're going to just go in the South Bend as favorites, but be talked about like underdogs like that is the motivation that we're talking about here like we are just we might be favored in the rest of these games which which, without a doubt we will be favored in every single game we play from here on out until the first game of the college college football playoff but we will be the underdog nationally in every single one of those games but at this point i think something else has changed it does seem to me that there's a national pool for the bearcats there's even even UCF fans, like for as much kind of there is a little rivalry there, they don't seem to be like completely hating it. They wish it was their team, but there seems seems to be a little bit of a pull from all of college football uh, fans in general that aren't that are not fans of the teams that are vying to get that fourth spot that we're third or fourth spot that we're going to eventually take from them. That teams are on board with us. Fans are on board with us. They want this is going to be something different. This is this is going to be so much better for the sport seeing a team like Cincinnati get in then would be just having, having another Ohio state year, having another Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state, Oklahoma playoff. We've seen this, we've seen the story before. We've literally seen the story written before. We don't want to see the same ending. All right. We know what happens. Cinderella, you know, she loses her glass slipper, right. And Ohio state somehow magically finds it ends up in the playoff and urban Meyer wins them a national champ. We don't need to see the story again. The Bearcats are national champions this year. That's what's going to happen if you let us in. So watch it. Watch out. Watch out indeed. Let me, let me say one more thing about Alabama. I, I meant to get this in and forgot. Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt every single season. And they earn it. Like Alabama has done plenty to earn the benefit of the doubt going into every single season. So when 
when they don't necessarily beat teams by the margin we're accustomed to or the margins we expect, or they, you know, they, they, they beat Florida by two, there might be some red flags happening. Like you go back and look at this Alabama schedule and I see a 44, 13 victory over an atrocious Miami, Florida team. I see a 48, 14 victory over Mercer. Can you imagine if we beat Mercer by 48, 14? Then they go on the road. They beat Florida by two. It'd be like us beating Temple 53 to three. Mm. It's arguably worse. Alabama 63, Southern Miss 14, and then a 21 point victory over Mississippi leading into that, that unranked upset at the hands of Texas A&M and, and their backup quarterback. The, once you look at the resume, I guess is what I'm saying. There's not much there. They don't have much right now to hang their hat on. It depends on how good you really think Mississippi is. It depends on how good you think Florida is. And I know they all get the benefit of the doubt because they're in the SEC. It's the magic trump card they always have in this conversation. But the reality is, once they lose a game like they just lost, once you lose to Texas A&M in the fashion you lost to them, you don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. And we shouldn't have national media chit-chatting about why we need to maybe open ourselves up to the idea of a two-loss Alabama team getting in. No, we don't. We don't need to open ourselves up to that. If there are four more deserving profiles, four more more deserving teams, they should get the spots. I don't have to open myself up to that thought. It's the teams that don't make the mistakes should get the spot, right? Alabama made a mistake. They lost to an unranked team that they were favored to win by 18 and a half points. I don't care what the ranking now says for Texas A&M. They lost. They were favored by 18 and a half points and they lost. They, their defense, there was no defense in that game. It's so they made a mistake. And at that level, when you're getting to that high, there's never been a team that's had two losses make the, make the, the, the college, the playoff there. So, you know what? Texas a and by the way, done. Texas A&M beat Colorado by set, but 10 to seven, they beat them by three. They, they then lost to Mississippi state, which is another, Leach is not doing well down there. That is Which not a team you should lose to. Mississippi it, State lost to or lost to Memphis, and Temple beat Memphis, and Cincinnati just beat Temple. Therefore, we are, you know, the chain of command is there. The chain of scores is there. We're better than Alabama. The transit. We don't mind property. Bama. By transitive property, the Cincinnati Bearcats are clearly deserving of that that number three ranking over Alabama. We spent too much time on it. We can move on. The point is. The system is very much set up to reward and this like the self, the self-fulfilling prophecy of SEC teams beating each other. All of a sudden, Texas A&M is back at 21. Like they can lose two games, but if you beat Alabama and, and have this massive upset, you're quickly back into the rankings. And if you win a couple more, we'll have you in the top 10 in no time. It's all set up. It's all set up that way. We need to continue uh, to push. I'm glad there's a more it's honest- qualitative. It's qual- it's a qualitative ranking system. That's right. There's no real quantifier measurables to it. It's it's the eye test. Did they pass the eye test? Well, right now, that last last thing I'll leave on it. Right now, that's what Cincinnati is is doing right now. Is every week they are creating the eye test, and the eye test for Cincinnati is beat the snot out of these quote unquote inferior teams. So that's what they're doing. They are literally taking the eye test week in and week out, and that's all we can do is keep passing it, keep pounding, keep pounding. So let's on that note, that's a great transition into the temple game. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to take that and run with it. Just like Des Ritter passing the ball to your man, Alec Pierce. (laughs) 
Foggy brain. It's been a long weekend. Touchdown machine. Guy is going to make me and Joe Barnett run beer miles. We need to keep passing the ball. (laughs) So we've got this 52-3 victory over Temple. And it's sort of a tale of two halves. I would say the Bearcats never for one moment felt like they were in trouble in this game. There was no threat by Temple. We were never... We were never in jeopardy of losing this game or even having a close victory in this game. However, we should break it down by halves because there, were, there was a completely different feel between first half and second half. I, we don't necessarily need to go at length. and Maybe we could try and explain how we feel during these games and maybe the expectation of the fan base in these games because it felt, it felt like when we went into halftime with the 17-3 vic, uh, lead, I would say the overall sentiment of the fan base and even myself, I found myself feeling the same way was ah, that's kind of disappointing. That half wasn't good enough. And who's holding that half against us? And what does it mean? Now they came out and scored 28 in the third quarter and all of it was moot. They absolutely destroyed temple after that. But if we stick on that first half for a minute, Hummer, what, what stood out to you? Like what, how are you feeling about that 17, three halftime lead and everything you saw transpire in the first half? All right, we're going to take everything back to the back to the Notre Dame game for a second. You're up 17 nothing. You're excited. You're happy. But you're like, man, this isn't enough because Notre Dame can come back at any time and tie this game up and, and take the lead up when you're only up 17 nothing. Not for one single minute in any point during the first half did I ever think Temple looked good enough that they were going to come back on us and be a threat to, to win this game in no way, shape, or form. The defense was absolutely smothering. Mathis, we've already mentioned, was running all over the place. We were in the backfield constantly all day. We lived back there. We set up shop. Uh, it was just – it was brutal for them. I feel so bad for them. I like literally felt compassion and empathy of like what they were going through. Like That had to be just absolutely brutal. Uh, the other thing that that stood out to me is we had quite a few drives that just seemed to just stall. And I feel like that's the trademark of this team. It's like from watching a Mick Cronin era basketball team with Sean Kilpatrick as your only score maker. And all of a sudden the offense just goes on a five minute scoring drought. And you're like, what in the world is happening? Sometimes the Bearcats offense makes me feel that way, even though we have all these fantastic playmakers and score scores. That's right. That's sort of the weird contradiction in our heads is why aren't we lighting up the scoreboard when I'm watching Trey Tucker juke and, and speed past every single temp, temple defender. When I see there's no matchup for Alec Pierce, when I see the fact that Ritter's getting protection and, and has time to throw, like I, it, there is like this awkward, you know, uh, discrepancy in your brain of what it, what our offense looks like and the players on the field and what they produce at times. That's not all the time though. I think the key is like, sometimes they do operate at, at the highest level and they're scoring and we see it in the third quarter with the athletes on the field, but there are, there are just moments and, and possessions where we string two or three possessions together in a row where it's just, it's not going as well as it should be. The opening possession ended in a field goal. They went down the field so easily to get inside the 10 and then just ran, ran three plays that just that generated not much of anything uh, at the goal line. You know, it was, it was a, a run, uh, a, a Ritter, a Ritter attempted a run that got, that got snuffed out. 
and then another sack. You know, I think it was at the at the Temple 12 yard line at that time. The possession for me that really stood out and I think drove everybody a little bit mad was their final possession of the first half. Um, if you don't count kneeling at the very end, but the final three plays of that possession, everyone's going to remember it. First off, Leonard Taylor catches a catches a pass on second and three, and it goes for a seven yard loss. Now, all you can chalk that up to is Lenny Taylor had the brain fart of all brain farts. He simply forgot who he was on the field for a brief moment. He thought and envisioned himself as as he was manifesting Reggie Bush on the field. Yet the man, the Reggie Bush speed and quickness and playmaking ability wasn't there. And so he went backwards seven yards. After that, Des Ritter throws a, a solid strike down the middle of the field to Michael Young Jr. It was not a perfect pass, but it was a very catchable pass for Michael Young Jr. And it was dropped and it was a really bad drop. So that leads to fourth down, which leads to a 44 yard field goal attempt attempt which leads to another missed field goal by our boy Cole Smith, who is big time in struggle city right now. And I think that possession was sort of a, a microcosm of the frustrations we can have at times for the Bearcats, just shooting themselves in the foot and making very silly mistakes offensively, um, not during the entire game, but just during stretches. I mean, yeah, we, we talked about that, that particular series right there and i'm trying to remember so i watched the game on friday and i'm not gonna lie uh it was uh maybe a distraction i had i went and rewatched it on sunday after the Bengals game with with a, a clear head and if Air i'm quotes, remembering clear head clear head no no alcohol involved on sunday uh there wasn't there another was am i imagining this there was another pass thrown that was near the goal line that, that legitimately got broken up and was, was that thrown to Leonard Taylor? Am I, am I making that up in my head? I don't have the same memory of another big Leonard Taylor drop. I don't, I, the big Leonard Taylor play was the seven yard loss was the, okay. the juking well, back. It was the Peter work. He was basically doing the Peter work. Well, we, we, whether it's there or not, maybe, maybe I miss, I might be thinking there looks like it was maybe Tyler Scott um, on second and two, but the past to Michael Young, look, Ritter, it's funny because these games, and this is what you this is your point I'm stealing here. When we have these games against Temple, Ritter's quote unquote mistakes get amplified in our minds. Cause it's like, oh man, you know, you're not gonna be able to do this against against these better teams and and this and that. But it's it's just it's also front and center because you're expecting perfection on against these 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 teams. Like we're we're putting that on their these shoulders. Um, if I'm going to do the, the, if, if Michael young jr. Catches that pass though, in scores, all of a sudden, this is that first, that's the difference between this being the first half that we expected and the first half that we got. Yep. Going into half 24, three versus 17, three would, would have been a completely different vibe. And all the difference was, was a drop pass and a negative seven yard gain on a pass that should have maybe gotten a first down. Um, it's that simple. And and the point you were kind of su summarizing for me, Des Ritter isn't playing Temple. In, in, in Bearcat fans' minds, what we're watching on the field, I feel like when we watch Des Ritter, we're always picturing him against Georgia or against Iowa or against Penn State or against Ohio State. We are always picturing every single decision, every single pass, all, all, however accurate they are, 
we're always envisioning that against the best teams, not in the moment that we are actually in. And it's, I get why we do it because we're, we are caught up in, I want to go to the playoff and I want to win. I want to beat the best teams and I want to give the national media and AP voters and the college football playoff selection committee, every possible reason to believe in us. And so we, we kind of take out our frustrations when we're not delivering and we're not scoring at the rate we want to, we take it out on Des, and we really shouldn't like he's Des is a huge positive on the field. He's a huge positive in, in every way, shape or form. Let's be real with this particular game though. There's not a whole lot of negative you can say. We're 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 arguing over or not arguing. We're we're discussing. You know, we're picking up. What's what's the old saying? Where we're picking up pennies to to make dollars, or whatever it is, picking up dollars to make pennies. I don't even know what the heck the saying is. It doesn't matter. I sound like George Bush right now. And what I mean is, we sound crazy. We're nitpicking a fifty-two to three win, right. where immediately after this what we're perceiving to be a bad half we rattle off 28 points in one quarter capped by i'm fast as fuck boy jerome ford just straight off un, almost untouched jukes vision the vision on that play from him was incredible he had he did his little juke move does it's vision like, it's vision, vision. Paired, it's vision paired with athleticism because the, speed not every running back can do jump cuts and not a jump cut like not every running back can hit a hole and hit a jump cut and then off to the races. He went jump cut, jump cut. See ya. Yep. Unbelievable athleticism from Ford. Unbelievable. After that, we have a, a little bit of a mix up with the fumble. You know, then we go touchdown, 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 punt for the end, end of the game. And not only that, we had touchdowns scored by our second stringers, which was what's fantastic as well. So it wasn't just like it was our, our first team out there doing the job. We were getting some other guys, the, the much needed experience because this we're building a top 10 program here, which means next year we need to do the same thing. And, and there's going to be, you know, we'll, we'll obviously cross that bridge when we get there, uh, but we're not going to have this rather next year. We're not going to probably have Jerome Ford next year. You know, we're not going to have sauce Gardner next year. We're, we're not going to have a lot of players. So there's going to be back people that need to come backfill. The good news is they held up, but like, so we're nitpicking over this. The one thing I'm, definitely going to nitpick over though is how one of those scores came in the first half and i think maybe this is how we got away not away with the victory in notre dame but it's definitely a way notre dame handed us a score muffed punts that's right muffed kickoffs whatever we got let's let's face it those don't happen all the time for them to happen back-to-back games against us unless we're doing something weird kicking the ball exactly (laughs) <laughs> Who's to say Luke Fickle's not over there with the laser pointer in the uh, in the returner's eyes? You know, we, we we're greasing we're, it up. We have grease on the kicker's hand when he goes up there, and he's he's handling the ball with some grease on his hands. It, that is back to back games of extremely fortuitous bounces on on a kick on a kickoff and then a punt that did go in our favor. That won't always happen, and and that also went hand in hand with maybe not being completely satisfied with seventeen points because seven of them came because of you know Temple. Uh, just temple uh what's the word i'm looking for ineptitude 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 from temple um but again you like like you summarized we came out in the second half absolutely demolished them you saw the athleticism from ford you saw the the speed from scott uh you saw des ritter put the ball in there make some incredible throws in that second half awesome decision making the the point on des is just to say like i was doing it more for myself 
I was wondering why I feel so like nervous for Des Ritter to play a perfect game every single outing. And I think it's, just, it's, it's, I'm a huge fan. I want to see him do well. And I'm extrapolating my own insecurities about how college football feels about the Bearcats on him. And I shouldn't do that. So I am working to not feel that way anymore and not to watch him as like every single pass is an indictment on his abilities. Most of his passes are really good with that. I can help you with that. I can help you with that. So I just literally got done watching the, the anti kicker fest uh, of a Bengals Packers game. And what, but watching Joe Burrow throw the ball downfield. Right. And we all know, obviously Joe Burrow's an NFL quarterback. He seems to event like have what may be developing into, dare I say it, maybe I'll knock on some wood first elite quarterback play coming down, coming down the pipeline from him. You know, fair. There's some parallels that I've saw watching Des immediately after that game. And a lot of it had to do with, I think Des has a really strong arm downfield. And I, and honestly, his accuracy while questionable at times, isn't to the point where like, he puts the ball in places for his receivers to be able to make a catch the Michael young jr. Like, yes. Was it a perfect pass? No, but it was catchable. It was put in a spot that he had both hands on it. It should have been caught. Des does do that. He puts the ball in places that his receivers can go up and make a catch. We're lucky that we do have a guy like Alec Pierce who can go up and make a play. It allows Des to be able to just, you know, do some different things with the ball to get in a position for him to catch it. But his, when he, when he, whoa, man, when he winds up and throws that ball downfield, it is pretty. I love Dez's arm now. Like it's it's night and day from last year, in my opinion. His ability to to sling the ball downfield. He's definitely got a strong arm, and I would say downfield, he's actually been really solid this season. I don't know all the numbers in terms of how they break down. I notice more than often. I've just noticed early in games missing some easier throws. Those are the passes that that do that are a little more frustrating because positive yards, be it four yards, five yards. It, it sets you up for those advantageous second downs and third downs, which allows us to be a little more aggressive, which I think then accentuates the Trey Tuckers, the Tyler Scotts, the Alec Pierces. Um, so figuring out a way for him to settle in quicker is, is, is all for the better. But again, like we won the game 52 to three. This was an outstanding performance top to bottom. The defense, which we probably didn't talk about enough, star of the show. I mean, Beavers in the backfield constantly. DeBlanco, his pressure rate was incredible in this game. Here's how I know ESPN's full of shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> they say on the stat sheet, it goes, uh, QB hurries for the Bearcats, four. Um, that's not true. Yeah. We were in the backfield every single play. He had to scramble. I don't think I saw Mathis in the bat in the backfield once with a f- actual pocket formed around him and a Bearcat not penetrating. Uh, Sorry, ESPN. Don't know where those stats are coming from. They're not real. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, that yeah, sure. Meme. Just we're just giving him a nod. Okay, okay. Whatever you say, guy. Yeah, and I, we had six sacks. And I guess here, here's what I found myself like. <laughs> this is this is once again back to your point of perfection. We had six six uh, official recorded sacks in the game. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, we're doing a really bad job sacking this quarterback because we were in the backfield so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, impossible standards is what we have. And we're going to continue to have them because of what we know the competition to be. We are going to be favored by 20 plus in basically every game moving forward. 
I think I mentioned it on Twitter. I don't think we're going to have another competitive game until Thanksgiving-ish. Like the, the week before Thanksgiving is when we're probably going to have a game where, where we're a little bit on pins and needles. I don't, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Hopefully that's a game that we, we get the game day nod to. Uh, I want to see game day in Cincinnati. I want to see it with uh, snow on the ground. I know it's early, early in the season for snow, but I know those SMU folks, you know, Dallas, they, they get snow like once every what, you know, once a year maybe and it's like two inches and the whole city freaks out and, and freezes up they don't know what to do uh, like give me give me some snow give me some game day all right give me it all you know what fuck you guy for thinking that you can wish snow on cincinnati in november we don't want any <laughs> snow in november you sitting in your ivory tower in new york city yeah send oh. snow out to cincinnati they'll like that they'll enjoy that in november <laughs> yeah bring it here too all right hummer well we'll leave it there in terms of temple talk onward to central florida this saturday a team that's that's definitely shorthanded injury plagued it's been a tough season for them it doesn't change the fact that i just want to absolutely stomp on their neck oh without a doubt um this has been one of the most fun seasons from a a twitter's perspective uh, because I'm watching, I'm watching them melt down in real time. We are witnessing, and I'm not going to go out there and say Gus is, is the reincarnate of Tommy Tuberville. They are dealing with a significant amount of injuries, a lot of just, you know, un, unluckiness there, but you would think by reading their fans, Twitters, that they are f- like just falling off the face of the earth. This is the most unacceptable thing in the world. You would think they've been a blue blood football program and had more than like one outstanding season in, in the history of their football program. Uh, so much so that they're, they have a, a sizable guy who wants to, to call, try to call out. Can I read that? Can read I, it. Yeah. It's, read just, that. it's so funny. It, it's funny because of what happened. So this Twitter account, which maybe I'll give it. I mean, basically this account, UCF Knights Nation, was writing a poll saying, and here's the poll was this. Anyone else looking at these Go Bearcats football tweets and thinking they seem to be counting their chickens before they hatched? I mean, the first CFP poll hasn't even come out yet. Let's do a fun poll because I'm in in a poll mood today. And it says, yes, celebrating too soon. No, they are in for sure. And then he tags, he tags us, Bearcat Journal, Barstool Bearcat Insider, Bearcat Report, all these different Bearcat accounts. Care to join in? And what the hell is a Bearcat? Zero replies, zero retweets, zero likes. The saddest, that's the, that's basically more pathetic than getting ratioed. It is, it is tragic. It is sad. It is, it is evidence of your insignificance on, on what, on, on the college football season irrelevance. And, and I just, is, is he even reading Bearcats Twitter? Does he actually think Bearcats fans have any sort of positive, like absolute absolutism when it comes to being in the playoff? We're neurotic. We think that the college football playoff is going to rig this against us and we're not going to get put in despite deserving it. Nobody is counting chickens before they've hatched. I'll go, I'll go through and, uh, 
and spare you all the details, but that tweet was sent roughly 12 hours ago. We will go back in time to 12 hours ago. Cincinnati football at Go Bearcats FB retweets. Number three, the ruckus. Well, that was fast. Student tickets for Go Bearcats football versus UCF are sold out. Congratulations, students, by the way. Keep it up. You guys are making the list of best student sections in the country, and you are. According to the foremost authority on all things college football, which is big game boomer. Congratulations, ruckus. Yes. Congratulations. Uh, they have you listed above little brother up in Columbus. Uh, 10 hours ago, Jerome, uh, Jerome, Jerome Ford ran for a career high, 149 yards. and had two touchdowns in Friday's dominant victory over, over Temple. The offensive player of the week. Congratulations. Okay, cool. Uh, James retweets James Hudson, new profile pick. Hashtag new profile pick. Uh, retweets Derek Forrest. Hashtag new profile pick. Uh, retweets Derek Wolf hashtag new profile pick. Okay, right, Jared Dokes new on, profile Hummer. pick. Hummer, we cannot just become the podcast that reads Twitter. I'm going to protect us from this. That's fine, but my point is they're not doing anything. There's nothing that our football, our our official media is going out there and being like, oh, we're counting our chickens for you know. You're just jealous, and you know what, UCF, you should be jealous because your team sucks. It's awful. You lost to Louisville. You lost the Navy. Hello, darkness, my old friend. You lost to a team that runs a triple option. I've come to talk with you again. So, you know what? It's okay if you want to cry and you need a shoulder to cry on. There's going to be plenty of them at Nippert because we're all going to be singing. We're going to be high on life. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be singing and we're going to be high. What a rant. Um, (laughs) I mean, let's leave it there. Hummer, we're leaving it there, buddy. The Bearcats this Saturday, come Saturday noon, Bearcats, we're going to be singing and we're going to be high (laughs) on life.